Okay, so this is the special holiday episode, December episode of People Are Wild. I'm Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER travel nurse of a host, and with me today is the three-time all-star that is my dad. Um, He has a hashtag, so if you're new to the program and you're just listening, his hashtag is hashtag pawdad on Twitter. So if you go there, you'll see some of the stuff that I've tagged him in, some of the episodes that he's been in. Um, He is always been the first time, not first time, the the longest supporter of the show, the OG fan of the show. And he is here. We're going to do a bit of like a question and answer thing. Um, people have asked me questions throughout, throughout me starting this podcast about you. Um, and also questions about me. Um, so we'll go and address some of those. And then some of the questions that I should just more specifically say, Kimberly from a date with Dateline asked. So, um, we'll, we'll review as many of those as we can. Um, so just for a background, dad, um, how old are you? About 72. He is a sharp 72 though. He still works full time. Um, my dad also, some people might have seen, I tweeted about something uh, uh, probably about a week or so ago. Um, he does have a background. He does have a degree. Um, he has a JD. He, he no longer, he does not practice law actively right now, but he does have a background with within law in general. So um, for, the, for the sake of just maintaining some anonymity and protection on what he does, um, just as much as I am vague with what I do in terms of HIPAA and everything, I'm not going to say what he does formally right now, but he does have a background in law. He also has a background of being a PE teacher um, and a few other things that he has done throughout his life. So again, just kind of to keep him a man of mystery and intrigue, I won't disclose all the details because sometimes it's best left to the imagination and whether or not he actually is a spy, he'll never tell me. Um, but <laughs> what we can talk about is some of the questions people have asked um, throughout me starting this podcast and more recently, um, just when I said I'd be doing a special episode because I am home for the holidays um, a little bit um, that my dad would be willing to do. So some of them might might be edited for time or might be edited for material, but we're going to try and get through as many as we can tonight um, and sort of disclose a little bit more, I guess, about the people behind the mic. <laughs> um, well, the person behind the mic in general being me and then the person behind essentially my life <laughs> being my dad. So um, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here, dad. Yeah. There are questions that some people have asked me specifically, but a lot of times you do have your own fan base and they want to know how you're so awesome, which I think is a little bit vague. Um, however, I did recently disclose that My dad has had uh, a beard for like all of my life and 
I was asking him when I got home, I said, you know, do you want to do this episode with me? People are interested in your thoughts about facial hair, aka, again, Kimberly from A Date with Dateline. I, I was like, well, he's had a beard like my whole entire existence. I've ever known him. He's always had facial hair. So she wanted to follow up on that with, is there a routine? Is there, do you have thoughts about people who have facial hair? Take us through what it's like to, to maintain a beard of many decades. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I'm not a real fan of the, uh, as they say, the Taliban beard. So I do keep my beard trimmed, as you know. Uh, there is one of cleaning it. That doesn't look all scraggly and like right. gross. Yeah, keeping it uniformed and trimmed up. Uh, my uh, barber is uh, probably one of my best friends in the sense that he makes sure that I look good. Um, when I at work or at play, uh, he always says, and uh, so it, it is. I, it's a matter of uh, daily grooming, and I even have a special beard comb. It's a small one that gets in and keeps the, the beard in place. Um, and then there's, I guess, there's sort of a conditioner that I use. Um, is it specific for facial hair? Yes, it is. And uh, um, This is the world I don't know about. So. Yeah. Keeping it well-groomed is important to me. Um, as you know, I tend to wear a jacket every day to work and uh, those sort of things. So uh, I like to stay well-groomed and be one of the older types. Um, it's, uh, it's a nice thing. I don't like scraggly beards. I, I don't like the big, bushy mountain man type sort of thing. But what if it was like more maintained? So. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I know people. Because some people like, they have longer beards, but it's like maintained. They run, they run like a hot comb through it and, and they keep it groomed. But you don't, you're not a fan of like people descending off of like the AT after like living out in the woods for three months and not having access to a razor. You mentioned something about how there's like hot towels involved. Oh, yeah. Um, my barber has a routine. That it's like five hot towels on the face before he starts to shave it. Uh, he says it softens up the skin and makes cutting it easy. And he's an old school barber, meaning that he uses a straight razor. So when that thing's on my neck, I have to make sure that you don't sneeze. I don't move, you don't sneeze. You have to go with the flow, and um, like if he turn tells you to turn a little bit, you're like, okay, you, okay. why don't you yeah. just push no my problem. head? Yeah, and he does. He does do that. He does five hot towels, three cold towels, and then he gives a face massage at the same time. So uh, he's a he's very technical about every part of, of it. So uh, it's nice. He, Throws on some jazz music at the same time. And, uh, but, like, your barbershop you go to was much like the first – well, yeah, no, it still is. It's it's much like the movie Barbershop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A lot. Yeah. If, if you've never seen the movie Barbershop, if you're listening out there, um, go look it up on Wikipedia, just, like and, – and maybe watch a preview. But you went to, like, Barbershop. In fact, so much so that – your original barber was one of the people that like they based a character off of in barbershop. Like that shop was who 
one of the many shops that they used for like the influence for Ice Cube's movie. So yeah, it, when he talks about going to the barbershop, if you if you watch the movie Barbershop, um, that's the kind of environment he's in. So so yes, yeah, so you have strong opinions on that um, on on facial hair grooming, but. Um, you also, because you were a PE teacher, you were a PE teacher mm-hmm. at a school that went all the way through eighth grade. Um, so you were tasked with giving the growing body speech to to the young men of of the uh, of the world that you that you um, coached. So um, you were also in a you were you were pretty proficient. I'm going somewhere with this without you having to tell about what you told yeah. them because I. I, I don't need to know what you told the boys, no. the growing boys. Um, but you you had to handle my first, and I'm okay with talking about it. I'm a nurse. But you had to handle my first period um, single-handedly yeah. because my mom was out of town for work. Yeah. And you, you were the one that taught me how to get blood out of clothing, yeah. which I didn't know at the time how useful that would be outside of that time of the month. Um, my scrubs have all been saved because of that man right here. (laughs) Uh, hydrogen peroxide people get hydrogen peroxide, soak it in that you do a few washes and it will come out. That's the trick, I guess. And then, um, but you also, you were good with, you weren't like awkward about it. Um, you know, it happened and you were like, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to. We need to call your mom just so that she knows. Um, and then you were like, let's go to the aisle and let's figure out what you need and what's, what works. Um, and then I remember you got me like, you got me like a chocolate thing. You got me like a chocolate cake or something. Um, because you were just like, well, this is, this is what it's going to be for the rest of your life. You have to deal with this. So, you know, we will figure out what works for you between both of us as parents. Like you didn't just like foist it off to mom. Um, you were just as much evolved as she was because you had to be. It wasn't like you were like, good luck. <laughs> I know. That, that whole era of, of your life was, was really interesting for me because as that was developing, <laughs> and it's kind of funny, um, I would go into a store and have to buy the female products. And it never failed that the clerk was always a female. And I was visibly nervous to her <laughs> all the time because uh, I almost came up with it behind my back and I was praying no one would be behind me or I'd wait till everyone went through before I went, went up and, and did those sort of things. I always thought they, they got a good joke out of it, but I, I think they were really um, helpful in a lot of ways because um, a couple of times they said, are you sure that's what you what, what the person what needs. they need yeah <laughs> and uh and if i wasn't then they said here try this one if that doesn't work well, that's right neat back. i never yeah. do that yeah yeah um and uh, um so they were helpful but i'm sure they had a lot of jokes and once they were in the back office about maybe, maybe not i think maybe they would have a little bit of respect because you know they you're going out there and you're like i'm trying to help somebody that you know is you're trying to get products and, and like help out the the woman in your life going through this. So I think that yeah maybe they were thrown for a loop and they're like oh okay but I'm sure there was a little underlying respect that's why they helped you out. Yeah, I, I honestly 
yeah. I mean, the, um, the requirement of, of telling the boys about the facts of life uh, after getting permission from their parents, of yes. course, uh, was... Um, well, inside I was I was nervous. Um, it was like the old adage, "Don't let them see you sweat." So outside, it, it was it was like all business. Yeah. Um, there were some ground rules set. There were some things that I would not say, even though I know that some of the um, the kids wanted me to say certain things. I wouldn't do it. I always gave the medical terminologies and. Um, went down through that, and I always told them, if you have any questions, first check with your parents. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, if that doesn't work, then uh, we'll see if we can find you someone that you, you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with this, I'm not going to be forcing anything on you. So I think once they understood that and the parents understood that and trusted me, I had to live up to that trust. So um, it became easier and easier each year, but it was a requirement that the male PE teacher tell the male. Um, it's like middle school. Yeah. yeah. Like fifth grade. But we still had to get parents' permission. If, uh, sure. And if they didn't want us to do that, then I would not do that uh, and uh, have another assignment for, for the, uh, the youth that didn't. Yeah. You are still but, respectful, but it, 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 there were always the jokes and things would come out. Sure, I mean you're talking to like what middle schoolers, preteens, fifth course. graders. It's all awkward. <laughs> Everything's yeah. awkward. It's yeah. still awkward mm-hmm. within our own bodies sometimes, but right. but it is you. You did open the conversation and the dialogue, which was yeah. probably very appreciated by some of but those. I always people. left the final stuff for the parents. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, and that's. That's good. Um, okay, so people are also interested in knowing what are your hobbies and slash or your interests. I know at least one of them, which ties into the next one, is uh, it says, what's the last movie you saw in theaters? You you love going to the movie theaters. That's one of your, like, treats um, that you do pretty regularly. So you are single-handedly keeping the movie industry alive. Right. Um, <laughs> by not streaming everything like the rest of us probably are. He does not have Disney Plus, at least not of this recording. But you do, as far as I can remember, you love going to the movies mm-hmm. um, and like love going to plays. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite musical? Believe it or not, it's The Sound of Music. Really? Uh, yes. I would have thought it was Guys and Dolls. We saw Guys, Guys and, Dolls and Dolls like Dolls five times second. when I was little. I know it. It's second. You start Strong singing like second. you I'm start not. singing "Luck Be a Lady" whenever you try and go gamble in it. Vegas. <laughs> I know it. I do. Uh, you do. Uh, yeah, I I do love musicals. The you summer, like the sound of music. Uh, I never I, saw the sound of music with you. That's probably true. I never did. Um, here in the summer, you were always busy either in a sports or academic thing or both. I was a Before nerd, everyone. Born. I was a nerd. <laughs> Before you were born, summer here is a time for musicals. I, um, there are a lot of acting groups here from all the way from community college levels to the universities down to um, different areas uh, little theaters that are that are here community theaters and so but musicals are always the big thing you remember when we saw like what was it the 1940s radio hour 
Oh gosh, that, that was, was so amazing. By, by accident. By <laughs> it was well, the final dress for yours. Yeah, we saw uh, it before. Like we saw it like yeah. previews. Basically, it was right. so good. It yeah. was so well done by whoever. Whoever that group was, I hope those people are doing well because they had well, they so much talent. And then we saw like Man of La Mancha. Yeah. And that one Phoenix Theater, I think. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. It was it was years ago. Right. That was really well done. And then there was that what did we see? Uh um oh goodness gracious. I'm thinking Biff Lohman, Death of a Salesman. Death of a Salesman. Oh it was so good. That was at a community and I, college. We did because like, I had to see it for school. And it kind of like, I think it was their opening night. So it was weird because they were like delayed for some reason. Right. And it took three hours for this play. I know, but it was so well. It was so good. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. we could talk about musicals and plays forever. Um, yeah. My dad instilled in me a love for the live theater like none other. And so did my mom. Um, we saw a few shows on Broadway whenever we were back, back out east. Mm-hmm. We saw The Lion King back there. That was amazing. And Annie, get your gun on Broadway. That was spectacular. I loved that too. We just love the theater. Yeah. I told you. Did I ever tell you that um, when I was doing an assignment in Oregon, I saw I went to the Shakespeare Festival up there because they have like the Shakespeare Festival. That's oh, yeah, that's did. a big thing over in Ashland. Um, highly recommend if you guys are into that. Even if you're not, I'm telling you, I saw this adaptation that they did of Richard the Third. That was fantastic, and I'm not hugely big on Shakespearean stuff because sometimes it's just too much for me. This was amazing. It was like, it was like in that sort of uh, style that they did Romeo and Juliet back in the nineties where it was adapted sort of into like a modern day setting. They did the same thing with Richard the third and they adapted it for the stage in a modern day setting. There was like EDM music at some point. I'm looking around at the people I'm with, like, what is going on? But they're doing the dialogue from the Shakespearean, you know, right. they're Shakespearean actors, so they're right. doing the dialogue as it's written. But it, it, it was really well done. Um, if you get a chance to go to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, you will not regret it. It's it's great. Um, yeah, so the, I know you love going to the theater. You love I going know. to the movies. What's the last movie you saw in the theater? In the theater? Yes, sir. I was oh the Terminator with was Linda it good? Hamilton. Oh, it got Don't do spoiler reviews. alerts. Uh, <laughs> it got mixed reviews, but if you know about the Terminator series, uh, I really enjoyed it. You did, it was, and that's the, I mean, a movie is supposed to take you out of like reality right. for at least you know a right. few hours. So right. if you get right. that, and you're not, it probably costs a lot of money to make, and I'm sure it probably didn't make up for that part because everything has changed price-wise. Uh, yeah, that's true. Movie. That's true. Uh, but So you haven't seen The Joker? I still haven't, but I'm going to. You I, are? I, mean, I heard that the uh, the actor in, in the role has already signed for another one. Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so... Um, okay. That's going to be going on, so... Joaquin Phoenix is such an interesting man with some of the decisions he's made in his acting career. And I'll just leave it at that. He's done a lot of interesting work. Yes. Yeah, so I am going to see that. There's, of course, I have my tickets for Star Wars on December 20th. 20th Yes. At 8.20 a.m. in the morning. So I'm 
So if if you're near where my dad is, maybe you'll see him in a movie theater at 820 because he just told you where he'll be. He didn't tell you what theater, though, so don't get crazy. Okay, so let me go back to a question. What did I want to be when I grew up? Okay, and then I can ask you the same thing. What did you want to be? What, did, what I wanted to be was an astronaut. That was one of the things, but you also... As later, you wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Oh, yeah. And then I realized how much school that would be. And I said, no. no. <laughs> uh, that is like yeah. a decade and a half of your life. Yeah. And if you don't like it at the end, yeah. go, well, you're stuck. Um, well, not really. But yeah, I, I did. I wanted to be a brain surgeon for a long time. And then I was like, uh, that's a lot of schooling and a lot of commitment and a lot of long hours. Um, maybe I can meet somewhere in the in-between and nursing's done that. What about you? What did you want to be? Um, couple things. Um, I wanted to fly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I even built myself an airplane and pushed it off of a hill and crashed in the side. <laughs> did you break anything? No, I was fortunate I didn't do that. But oh my gosh. I, How old were you? Oh gosh, I think I was four. <laughs> you're building a plane on your yeah. four and just like uh, crashing it with these two by fours. <laughs> it was like how did you not? Yeah, how did you not get injured? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> uh, one time I climbed top of the roof and jumped to this big sand. Uh, how old were you when you did that? I was five. Are you sure you didn't want to be a stuntman? Well, I didn't even really know what a stuntman was. That's, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, back in the day, I yeah, guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, that was some of the earlier things. There were all, all types of different things I liked. I wanted to, to be an actor, but I knew that it didn't pay much because so many people were like working oh, two jobs yeah. or working in a theater and trying to... Did you want to be a stage actor or like a film and TV? I wanted to be a stage actor. Because, um, you like the, the theater? First, yeah, I love the theater. And I've been fortunate to been involved with it from uh, elementary school all the way up through college. And, huh. uh, uh, you did college theater? I did some uh, small things. Um, when I was in law school, we had this thing called the Law School Folly. Basically, we were doing... You told me about this. Yeah. We were uh, having fun with our law professors. And, uh, we, is this we, the one where you said that you guys thought it was hilarious and nobody else? Oh, that was another different one. No, I know <laughs> you're talking about that. Yeah, but that one I was, I was, um, I was a director. I literally, it was it was a film class, and we were learning um, certain things to do. But one of the things we had to do for the class, and we only had like 15 minutes to do it, was develop a skit, a comedy skit. We had to um, we had to sell it to our uh, our professor, and so we're practicing. Me and this other guy, and during that time, um, Johnny Carson was the big uh, guy, and he used to do this bit where he was called the Great Karnak, where he would have a, an envelope, hold it to his head, and he would read an answer off. And then Ed McMahon was the straight man and would say, oh, you know, oh, 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 he was the laugh guy and all that sort of thing. So we're practicing that. And I was playing the Ed McMahon role and my friend was playing uh, the great current. And we were laughing so hard at the, these jokes that we had made up. 
And we thought we were the greatest thing in the world. So we get back and they said, okay, what, what, what are you selling this? So we get out there and we start. And the first one, it just fell flat. Not one laugh, not even a budge. We were like, <laughs> or like a sympathy, like, <laughs> I know. Enough, no sympathy giggles. It was like, oh boy. Uh, and so we went through the whole thing. We didn't get any laughs. Oof. We got all these like, you know, get Tough off the crowd. stage Tough looks. crowd. <laughs> yeah. And it's where we really learned about what they say called flop sweat. <laughs> I mean, sweating down the back. Nobody's laughing. We're standing there and we're both thinking, my goodness, you know, we thought this was hilarious. So it was a lesson learned about that. Oh, it's a public speaking class. That's what. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, and um, um, and when we, we were critiqued about it, um, we talked about feeling the way we felt. And said, well, you know, now you know how hard the the area is. But, right. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting time, and and anybody that does stand up. I take my hat off. We're tipping the hats to that because, because when you you have a bad oh. set or a bad crowd. There's nothing like standing there and nobody's laughing. <laughs> not even a sympathy giggle. Like, not even somebody that's like, <laughs> or like, they, God, give me something. The worst thing is that they don't say anything. And it's just like you can hear anything drop. Oof. In it, and it's like, oh, my God, I don't think I can do this ever again. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of people probably don't. They, they, they walk away. They're just like, that's it. I admire all the, <laughs> the people that. Comedians. People who get on stage in general, people who... Well, getting on stage is okay with because I've done it a lot. And, uh, but... But just yeah. like that, that is that like aspect of like presenting. Script, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. If you have a script, it's yeah. a little different. You can play off a character. Right. But yeah, if you're doing like a one person show oh. or, or a stand up thing or, or improv even, like you're doing right. like that sort of thing. Yeah. It's it's tough when you got nothing from the audience and you're like, come on. Yeah, especially when you thought it was so great. And then it's We just... did that all the time when I used to do those improv classes where yeah, they would give us that. scenes <laughs> yeah. and some of our scenes would work. And then sometimes if we got to do stuff freehand, we were like, this is kind of dumb, but okay, we have to get something out. And then it would it would do better than the scripted stuff that we were doing. So it's like, oh, okay. And that was like, ugh, that was that was back in the day for me. But, um, <laughs> well, no, he just I I did improv. It was a summer. Twelve when I was twelve ish. Mm-hmm. No teens. Was I already in my teens? Yeah. Maybe early teens. Yeah. So if you think that me being funny is organic it's probably not <laughs> there's, there's a lot of improv training behind that you know i studied at the school of the thing about no one though, <laughs> no what the thing about you that i was surprised you were so young but you always came back see i would have walked away <laughs> oh when stuff didn't work yeah yeah I, yeah I, it was but you always because i back. like to write stuff though that's the thing like yeah, i would like would. to write and like yeah. try and figure out what worked and what didn't work right now you end up with the podcast, so. <laughs> I know what yeah. This is what. This is what happens, kids. This is what happens. Don't act. <laughs> Don't act. You're just going to get a podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. What TV shows and or toys was I obsessed with? Um, 
Ooh. You know the answer. The Power Rangers. Oh yeah. Yeah. To the yeah. point to the point where there was a, a bit of a ultimatum in our house yeah. that I could not watch the Power Rangers because I would try and throw myself off of the couch, right. um, off of anything I could, off of the bed, and try and do all the stunts and like try and do all the the karate and martial arts with you no training. You literally thought because. The pink Power Ranger's name was Kim. <laughs> that, that, I was. That, that you, it was you. I was the pink Power Ranger. I was obsessed with the Power Rangers. I still am. I still am to an extent. I, I, I will admit I am the person that saw the new Power Rangers movie. Um, I was like, I definitely got to check it out. And I wore my Tommy Oliver Angel Grove High School t-shirt. <laughs> Yes, indeed. I had one of those. And uh, I wore that. And I saw it three times in the movie theater. I have it downloaded to all of my devices so I can watch it whenever I want. Um, It was really well done. It deserved a sequel. I need to calm down. And my friend actually got uh jdf jason david frank tommy oliver himself the white ranger the the green ranger and uh at one point the red ranger um he autographed a photo for me Uh, my friend got it for me at a comic con so shout out to rebecca you are amazing (laughs) and you share in my love of power rangers um and i appreciate you for that so much but i do have that i have a signed poster thing of it what was the second part of that question um, toys, toys, toys I was obsessed with. Oh, gosh, you had all those action figures. Power Rangers, more so. And then I inherited my older brother's Bust toys. <laughs> so I got the Ghostbusters. I got the car, yeah. the whole car. We had the car, you guys. We had all the Ghostbusters action figures. Right. Um, we had, uh, what was that, that show called? Thundercats. We had Thundercats ones. Uh, we had... Oh, we had one. W-W. We had mask. <laughs> we had the mask ones. M-A-S-K. We had those ones. We had He-Man. Um, oh, yeah, we had all the WW. Castle Grayskull. Yes. <laughs> and then we had all the WWF right. when it was the WWF. I right. still respect it as the WWE, but I grew up with the WWF. Right. Um, so I inherited a lot of my brother's toys, which means that I inherited a lot of like my brother's interests in a way. Right. So it was weird to navigate kindergarten and beyond, like, because I was very much a tomboy with it. Um, And I would, I loved monster trucks. I actually, I recently got to see the home of Gravedigger in Outer Banks, North Carolina. Um, Anybody who follows me on other social media that's not associated with this podcast, aka the people out there that know me in real life that saw my photos on my actual personal accounts, you know how excited I was to see Gravedigger, one of the best monster trucks out there, uh, <laughs> and still going strong. I still have like these little blips of interest in things. Like I still kind of, sort of follow the WWE to this day. Mm. It's a little bit more. It's different. It's different than it was for me in the '90s, and it's certainly different from what it was in the '80s. I know that there's a new league now called all elite wrestling that has a lot of ex wwe stars like jericho and uh the cody Rhodes and i think some other people i am going to reserve my judgment on that for another perhaps future ask me anything because i it's just started so i don't have uh, a good knowledge base on it just yet so don't ask me who my favorite wrestlers are for that i don't know yet 
Did you have any TV shows you were obsessed with? Well, we grew up watching TV Land repeats. I remember we I'm watched right. a lot of Andy Griffin and uh, Dick Van Dyke. Show. Oh, we love the Dick Van Dyke show. Always tripping over that ottoman. Yeah, yeah, and Leave It to Beaver. Um, we watched a lot of Dragnet and a lot of One Out of Twelve. That's right. Uh, yeah. What else? Yeah, but you're right. We did that. Well, actually, that was a good way to actually grow up, sort of, I think, because it was like all I knew from my knowledge base was Power Rangers, and then it switched abruptly to Andy Griffin. I know. But Andy was so great. I think for a while I thought I was going to be a stunt woman because I watched. You talked about that. You interviewed a stunt woman. I did. What's up, Cassandra Ebner? We still yeah. love you. Yeah. So glad that you're getting um, your TV show, Life XP. Go check it out if you're listening to this and you haven't checked it out. What's wrong with you? Stunt women are amazing. Um, stunt people in general need more recognition. I just want to say they they literally put their lives on the line, their bodies on the line. Some of them die doing what they they do. Some of them end up permanently disabled. Um so, stunt people need more recognition. So, that's what I have to say about that. Is a cheesecake a cake or a pie? <laughs> You're doing this. Is, is this like a hot dog as a sandwich? Like Yanni and the white oh, dog. that? No, this is very much like is a hot dog a sandwich. Like, yeah. is a oh, cheesecake... Yeah. Is a, We talked about that one. Right. Is a cheesecake, though, a cake or a pie? What do you think? It's a pie. You say it's a pie? Yeah. Why? What makes it a pie? Because it's a crust with a film. Mm. I mean, you have a point there. And I just, it has the word cake in it, and I just don't, I don't like the concept of a cheesecake. Not all cheesecake need to be cooked, though. Don't all cakes need to be cooked? There's no baked cakes. Those are things. Yeah. We've reached an impasse on that one. Yeah, I, I don't know, Kimberly, from a date with Dateline. I'm sorry. We let you down on that one. Do you remember the first concert you ever went to? I remember mine. What was my first concert? You went with your mother. I know that. No. My first actual concert. What was it? It was on my golden birthday, and you went with me. I can't remember. The Aquabats. Oh, the Aquabats. Yeah. That was my right. first concert. That's exactly right. Yeah, you and right. mom even wrote on my ticket. Right. It's your first concert. That's right. Oh my gosh, you mind wiped we that just one out. Talking about that, we <laughs> yes, because we were talking about ska punk and the horns. Because right. we were listening. The ska music. My dad loves horns and ska punk. Yeah. At least back in the eighties and nineties, was very horns heavy. Right. Um, it still is in some ways. If you listen to uh, which. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I think, still does a lot of horns. Early, no doubt, if you listen to um, Spiderwebs and you hear those horns, no doubt started out as a ska band. Bet you guys didn't know that this was about to become a music history podcast. But if we go into ska, I get excited. My dad's looking at me like, tone it down. Captain Um, Squeegee. (laughs) That's our local band. We love Captain Squeegee and the Soap Suds. They're still touring. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I know, but were horns were they were, they were a great <laughs> opening act, um, but my first concert was the Aquabats. That's right. Yeah, you're right. They're like my first love, so much so that on every single vehicle I've ever owned, um, I have an Aquabats sticker on bumper sticker as of right now, 
Dwayne the Van Johnson has an Aquabats sticker on there, and and he's representing the Aquabats. I'm doing the sign right now. <laughs> That's the sign. Remember? I yep. I remember he knows. What was the first concert you attended? Do you remember? Oh gosh. Yes, I do. Okay. And this really will date me. It was what was called in the day in the fifties was called Rock and Roll Show. And the highlight was Jackie Wilson. Your love keeps taking me higher and higher. But they had every early rocker that was there. It was amazing. Totally, totally amazing. Uh, that was my first concert. I remember that distinct. That's amazing. Because yeah. that song, like, still to this day, pops up on my playlist. And I'm just, now I'm going to have really? a better association with it. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'd be like, this but, is yeah, the first concert Jackie my dad just amazing his voice um him and uh, sam cook they had voices that were amazing. nobody had ever heard before too yeah well that's the way it was in those days yeah that's a little different wire what celebrity photos did i have on my walls so i had a lot of boy bands what was i was i do you know what what was i boy band wise what where did my allegiance lie um I remember the high school part of that boy band thing because we were, um, who did that? Um, I don't want to expose some of your earlier influences that, that, but cause I used to drive you and some of the other people. Oh yeah. You used to have a carpool. Yeah. And, uh, um, but it was Maroon 5. Maroon 5 is not a boy band. No, I know it's not a boy band. <laughs> But what I was just thinking, the music. Oh, no. You're taking me back to that yeah. that class that I had to take I know. when uh, I was 13. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, geez. But when the boy band stuff, because it was the standard NSYNC and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which one was I on? Do you remember? I don't know why. I thought you were... Justin Timberlake person. I did like In Sync, yeah. but I think I was really into Ninety Eight Degrees. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were. The, I oh. had like a crush on both of the Lachey brothers. I really was invested in them, and then I got very excited when he married Jessica Simpson. That's right. And then I got very heartbroken when they got divorced. Yeah. And that <laughs> God, if you never watched Newlyweds with Nick and Jessica. YouTube has the episodes on there, um, so you can go and, and give that a uh, search in the YouTube and uh, the YouTube, and, <laughs> and you'll um, you'll find some episodes. And I highly suggest you watch them because it is peak late '90s, early 2000s reality show everything. That was that was a big thing too. You remember how you loved the Simple Life? With Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, that first season, you were hooked. You bought yeah. you bought it on DVD. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. And you liked it because you you wanted to see Lionel Richie's kid. You wanted to see right. Nicole Richie. Right. Um, you were invested in her. I wasn't invested in her, but I, it was interesting. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, he had to get closer to the mic. He's. <laughs> He's trying to get comfortable, and he's, like, leaning back from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need to hold the I mic up. <laughs> um, d- but, yeah, no, he liked he liked The Simple Life. That was one of your favorites. We're going to segue this into some TV shows that we both watched. 
people, so people talk to me about reality TV a lot because that yeah. is like my escape. But reality TV was not just like me watching it. It was like a family event. We we sat That's down and true. watched Newlyweds. We would watch it as a family because right. it was, for the most part, for an MTV show, it was actually pretty family friendly. Right. Um, for the most part. Now that I watch some of the episodes, I'm like, oh, maybe not. Um, but it was a simpler time. Uh, and then you actually watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians in the early seasons. I did. So you were interested in that family dynamic. And I know you you watched it pretty closely for the first seasons. And then they got ridiculous. And you were like, I can't watch these people anymore. <laughs> yeah, I did. So you switched over and watched The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Because oh, apparently gosh, they're not right. as ridiculous to you. So who was your oh. favorite? Did, who was your favorite on that? Did you like Nene? Oh, God. I, I, you know, I'm at the pass on that question. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did have a moment where he he did watch Bravo TV shows. I did. Uh, yeah, but he yeah. got fed up with them because he didn't like how the women always fought each other. Because he doesn't. He didn't like that. And I mean, I I agree. It is it is exhausting to watch them fight each other. But sometimes, now that we know that a lot of reality TVs played up for storylines. It's a little bit like, okay, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. I am really shocked about it. And, and this is probably my age showing you. I didn't know that stuff was fake. <laughs> I had no clue that it was fake. Well, until people said, oh, that stuff's staged. Well, <laughs> I think that. early reality shows were somewhat genuine to an extent. But then again, you had shows like The Will and... There was a terrible show that they had where a woman would – oh, my gosh. It was awful. And I don't think I'm dreaming this. I'm trying to do this without Googling. But there used to be the show that a woman was trying to find her birth father amongst the sea of men. And it was awful. That was a reality show that happened. There was also a reality show – The Swan was a reality show where they gave women extensive plastic surgery – did not let them see themselves in a mirror and then put them against each other in a beauty pageant. Um, there was a reality show that was a woman who was dating guys who were all wearing masks called Mr. Personality. Um, yes, these are real TV shows. I'm not making this up. So the 90s and the early 2000s really had some weird reality shows that, yes, they had gimmicks and storylines, but I think – Think about this. The first season of The Bachelor was genuine, as was the first season of The Bachelorette, because they didn't know what they had on their hands at the time. So it was genuinely people looking for love on a TV show. But of course, it was made by Mike Fleiss after he had done Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire. And if you want more information about what went on behind that scenes, um, you should read the book Bachelor Nation by Amy Kaufman. I can't sing enough of its praises um, if you're a reality TV buff like me. But you did genuinely enjoy it. I mean, for to an extent, you're seeing people that you hadn't necessarily, like, seen in a while. You know what I mean? Like, nobody had seen Kris Jenner after the OJ trial. And then you, you brought together all that on E! with you know, the Kardashian name behind it. Now they're still on TV. It's the same with the Real Housewives. I mean, not only are they still on TV, but they keep adding more franchises. So I think there was a genuine healthy curiosity that you had with it. It's the same with The Simple Life. It's like, yeah, let me watch, you know, Paris Hilton and 
Lionel Richie's kid and right. and what happens. That's why I remember even briefly we even watched um, uh, the Osborne one. Uh, oh yeah, with uh, with Ozzy. Ozzy and Sharon. Yeah, and when when it was like I just remember this clip of <laughs> Kelly Osborne trying to explain to her father who the band POD was. And and he doesn't get it, and she's like, and they're telling him it's payable on death. They're a band. It's called POD, Dad. And it's just, I, it's such a great clip. Um, but early early reality TV was just, it was just lawless. Anything goes, and now it's a little bit more regulated, a little bit more storylined. Inter- not regulated. It's a little bit more written out like there's a little bit more storylines to it there's plots there's scenes that are definitely set up production has a lot of lot of say in everything but um i don't know i still find it enjoyable Mm. speaking of okay now i know you've done real housewives and stuff but somebody asked it's kimberly from a day with dayline um (laughs) she asked to describe, she wants you to describe the basic plot of a reality TV show that you've never seen before. So what do you think it's about? And I kind of threw this one at you. So so what do you think, this is a real TV show, what do you think the show Love After Lockup is about? Love After Lockup? Yes. <laughs> well, someone has been placed either in a jail or a prison or, or locked up. And they're being released. I don't know if they're on probation or parole, but going back into society and they're trying to meet people. I don't know what the payoff would be. Is it a relationship? Is it uh, something different than that? Uh, I, I don't know. What is it? So Love After Lockup is a TV show on WeTV. That has just been picked up for another season. And same with Life After Lockup. So what it is, is it is a reality TV show. And the hook, the tagline is this. I lost it. Once the bars are gone, will their love survive after lockup on the rocky road to the altar? So, so, yeah. So basically, it's couples that finally meet their fiancé. So most of them are either, they either got proposed to while the person, like, was in in jail so they finally meet with their fiance upon a prison release and then it follows them as they have their first fights and there's family drama and then it's it's basically like will these couples make it or will they break up a lot of it's played up but they're real people who got locked up for real stuff so they can't really make up that part (laughs) um but it's a ridiculous show it's by the people who produce uh 90 day fiance on tlc so what do you think 90 Day Fiancé is about? Do people at your work probably talk about it? That one sounds familiar. Uh, I thought it might be, do you have to become married or engaged by by 90 days after? So TLC has a few different versions of it, but the original version is these people fly, fly, travel. They travel to America. They've known each other for a while, and they're on a K-1 visa which means that they have 90 days to get married before the 90 days is up. They have to get married or else, you know, they go back, their visa's expired. So it follows these couples who've, most of them, 
<laughs> most of them, majority of them meet online with these people who live halfway across the world. And then they either meet somewhere, like either meet in that person's home country or they meet somewhere in between. Somehow they they meet up and then they apply for the K-1 visa and then essentially like they bring them to America and that's where the story starts. But TLC has expanded it now in a lot of ways because they have had just monumental success with it. Oh. So they've done, uh, I think this last year, they've done their 90 Days the Other Way where the American goes over to where the person is into their um, home country and you see the relationship work from that perspective. And so they kind of choose whether or not they're going to leave that person or if they're willing to like stay in that relationship at the end of the time. Hmm. So it's, it's all, it's all ridiculous. They're all terrible people for the most part who pick, <laughs> um, who end up on these shows. But for some reason you just keep watching. And I think it's because you're just like, well, you know, my life can be a little bit dramatic and a little bit rough, but it's not as bad as some of these idiots. And I mean it when I say they're idiots. Um, some of them are just straight up morons. And they're totally being played. They're being scammed. And you do feel bad for them to an extent, but then you're like, but wait, you're on TV. Like, I mean, mm. anyways, questions? Yes, we have questions about that. Um, so these are ridiculous shows, but it's a good escape. I have one more question for you. This is actually one that's like nobody asked. You have a nickname for me since I was younger. And I was thinking about it the other day and I have no clue what it means. Why do you call me Meister? <laughs> that's interesting. What does it mean? <laughs> I have so many questions. Well, Meister is kind of a, a um, title of person that commands certain respect in certain fields. Um, for instance, um, in Germany, uh, a brewmeister is a, brew, a brewmaster, and they've mastered that craft. Um, and uh, um, the way I know when you were growing up, it was amazing what you do some of the things that you did, and you did it fearlessly. I mean, it's not like you say, oh, I wouldn't do that. You jump at the chances to do that. I mean. Sometimes literally. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> literally. Uh, still, you, still I do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been impressed by that. I think it's for just my way of acknowledging that uh, you um, never say die. You, you're you willing to try anything with a little knowledge. You're, you're ready to go. Uh, hmm. I mean, I might need to channel that back because now I'm just getting old and cautious. <laughs> I'm seasoned. I can't even say old because you're... I can say you seasoned uh, you're se is probably... Seasoned, yes. Old, no way. No, no, no way. Yes, yeah, it's true. Um, we've got a couple more questions. Yeah. Have you ever done karaoke? And if so, what was the song? Whoa. I've done... You mean officially go on stage and get a mic? Yeah, I've done it. I'll tell yeah, you mine. Yes, I did it once, and I did Carrie Underwood before he cheats, really badly. In the sixties, I was on R and R to Bangkok, Thailand, from military service, and I jumped on stage and sang uh, "Satisfaction" with with 
<laughs> a band from Thailand. I had a tambourine and I probably ripped my palms of my hand all the way through the and yes, I have karaoke. You have karaoke, all right. Yeah. And then here's my last one. Okay. What are your feelings on Taylor Swift? Oh shit. <laughs> Only thing I really know about her is that her birthday is one day before yours, two days before yours, and uh, so Taylor Swift is going to be turning thirty soon. Is basically what we're saying yeah. because she's a December baby. Performer of the decade from, <laughs> from the AMAs. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a disaster the AMAs were, y'all. Uh, but uh, I can't. That's like, about all I know. They brought Taylor Swift up at the end of Shania Twain's set to tell them, to tell Shania Twain, I guess, like, look, Taylor Swift's the most winningest AMA artist. It used to be Michael Jackson, and now it's Taylor Swift. Isn't that great? At the end of Shania's own set, they did this to her. I'm telling you, Sierra pulled a Kanye West on Shania Twain. She said, Shania Twain, I'm really excited for you. I'm very happy you have a residency, but... Taylor Swift is the greatest AMA artist of all time. And then, like, shrugged her shoulders and said goodnight. And the show ended. Uh, that's true. That's I'm not telling a lie. I'm not telling a lie. I don't mind Taylor Swift. I used to really not like her. But you know what? She she can do her own thing. I, I got respect for her because um, there was a little, a little girl, a little sweet girl, um, that was in a town that I worked in for quite some time. Uh, I worked at their hospital. And... She was uh, fighting a really rare form of brain cancer, and her biggest wish was to meet Taylor Swift. And when she, when this girl ended up needing to go on hospice, um, Taylor Swift made a very special, very low-key, under-the-radar visit to this girl, to her house, to her family, um, and didn't advertise it at all. And the mom was the one who posted it and said thank you. And of course that caught steam. Um, and Taylor Swift never, never like said anything, you know, like never made a big deal out of it. And, and I, I always respected her after that, that, you know, she, she did that for that girl because this girl meant a lot to the community that I was in. Um, and, and to this day, she, she still has um, a few things in that community that are dedicated to her. Um, so whenever I see that, or I see, People who are in, they wear the shirts that say this child's name um, on there and they say army underneath. I just, I want to be a little bit vague for the privacy of that family and everything. But um, the fact that she did do that, Taylor Swift did do that, I I got major respect for her in that sense. I think that that was incredible and it was a really amazing thing that she did for for a girl and her family that, that were facing something that I could not even imagine. Mm. So for me, like Taylor Swift is fine. Like I, I, I poke fun at her sometimes. Um, in Nashville, I was walking down the street and they had this big old sign that said Taylor Swift education center. And I was like, I wonder what's in there. And I didn't go in. Cause I just was like, uh, I don't know what's in there. Um, and, and I mean, she worked hard. She worked hard to get to be the artist of the decade, according to the AMAs. And, and she really did, but you know, she also had some fortunate opportunities and, and, you know, that's kind of what happens, I think, when you get to that level is that you work hard and you have some opportunities that work out and you end up at that superstardom level. Not everybody's going to get there. Um, people who have amazing talent sometimes don't don't get to that level. And, you know, they they have, 
you know, amazing voices and, and can do so many things within their given trade. But I think, I think Taylor Swift is fine. Like, I don't think she's the artist of the decade. I'm sorry, AMAs, but I think she's, she's crossed over from country to essentially pop at this point. Um, and done well for herself. So I can't fault her for that. Um, what is your favorite thing to make at the holidays? Favorite thing that makes up the holidays? No, to to make at the holidays, like to cook. Oh, to cook. Oh, That's what we're going to end on. What's what's your favorite thing to make? Uh, probably a turkey. Turkey? Yeah. Because I do them different ways each year. Reaching that. Which way will I do it this year is always a nice challenge for me. Not eating. <laughs> My favorite meals, anyway. Uh, well, it's a side, anyway. Is um, the cauliflower uh, rice. Oh, yeah. You do like to do that stuff. Yeah. I think I don't really make a lot of stuff at the holidays. I'm usually working, so I... I bring stuff like chips and so that I can eat at the hospital potluck. Like, here's my admission to the hospital potluck. I brought chips. But I usually, if I do get to, I, get, I like making the pies. I do like making the pies because that was one thing well, I remember. Like yeah, I like to bake. There's there's something you don't know about me, I guess, if you listen. Um, I do like to bake. I just have not been able to for a while because I just travel so much and I'm usually renting rooms and I don't necessarily like to bake at the places that people, people are also residing at. Cause I'm like, well, I don't want them to get used to this. <laughs> like, Oh, she always bakes cookies. Like, no, it was one time. Don't expect this all the time. No. Um, I like baking. I think it's very therapeutic. I like watching that show nailed it because I'm like, mm, I've definitely had some nailed it failed it. Um, but I do. And that also reminds me of, of mom with baking the pies. Um, cause that was the big thing because my dad handles Thanksgiving cooking. And then my mom was the one who did pies and like the rolls in the pies, I think. Although you did pies sometimes too. You did yeah. a sweet potato pie, but I think we always did pumpkin pie. Well, I, was, um, I did, I did the mixture too. I did the, um, before it was popular, I did the pumpkin cheesecake. Here we are again at cheesecake. I, I told you. Just, <laughs> we're gonna have to. I can't remember with the cheesecake. That, I do remember. Yeah. I no, actually, I don't. I was the first one to do that. You guys, my dad, trendsetter. Hashtag trendsetter. I can't with the pie. We're gonna have to end it with the pie. So, Dad, do you have any parting words for people for the holidays, for people listening to this podcast for the new <laughs> year? Do you have anything to tell the people? Only I hope you're fortunate enough to have family and friends around and enjoy yourselves and uh, each day is a great day i'm i'm gonna have to echo that sentiment and stay safe out there um if you're traveling somewhere definitely safe travels and thank you guys for listening to this podcast it was something i started almost two years ago and my dad's been on there three times um but there's been a a lot of other people on the in-between, and I'm very thankful that I have met some incredible people along the way, interacted with amazing people with awesome stories. Um, there's some projects I'm working on for the podcast for next year and some projects in general that I'm working on as maybe 
a little bit of a tangent off of the podcast. So I'm excited for it. My family's been super supportive. So thank you, Dad, for being here, not just tonight, but also just (laughs) as he drops something out of his ear and I'm trying to be all deep. (laughs) He dropped his earbud. Um, But no, thank you to to you for being here, but also for for supporting the show and being a constant fan of it, um, a promoter of it, um, and also owning a unique piece of merchandise uh, from it, uh, but also just telling me throughout my life to keep pursuing things, but also to be humble and to keep a level head and to know when to back off because I do go into things sometimes full force. Um, But um, it's because I've learned it from my parents about living life fully. So um, thank you for helping me to kind of regulate and find balance on that. And because people out there don't know how old I am, if you didn't catch it before, I am entering another decade of my life. Um, It's, it's a very poignant moment, I guess, in my life and my, my timeline, as I call it. Um, I like to refer to my life as seasons because I do love watching reality TV. So um, I've been renewed for another season. There are hopefully some special guest stars coming up. There's always a location change in doing what I do. And there's always a chance of cameo and guest star appearances. But most of all, I am grateful for people who listen, who are regular tuner inners. Um, and as usual, feel free to contact me um, through my email, peoplearewildpod at gmail.com for any ideas, suggestions, constructive criticisms, or just to say hey. Um, you can always reach me also on Twitter. It's at peoplearewild. And then, might as well announce it now, going into next year, I will be having a Patreon. There will be some cool stuff on there. Um, myself and some people who, who uh, have graciously uh, taken time out of their day are recording some things wherein uh, there's some projects going on that I'm super excited for. So um, stay on, stay tuned for that. I will let everybody know when that is actually up and running. It is technically up and running, but it's just right now kind of a a little bit of a placeholder there's just some early release episodes and some other stuff on there but actual bonus content i am working on getting out if not by the end of december it'll be into next year um i hope to get one more episode out this month but if i don't that's because i'm enjoying the holidays so (laughs) i hope you guys enjoy the holidays and from myself and from my dad happy holidays everyone stay safe what? No, let's see. Happy holidays. There you go. That's from the man himself, Paw Dad. Okay. Believe in the good. Practice random acts of kindness. And look out for yourself and look out for others this holiday season.